Sevignon Wilkerson and Jackson State are exactly what the other needed. Also, it may be Divisional Two Championship Weekend, but some of our HBCUs on the FCS level have major games as well. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that their journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives and today's episode of locked on hbcu is brought to you by sling tv which has something for everybody especially when it comes to college football coverage pac 12 big 12 acc sec i can always catch the games i want to watch on sling and now you can too check out sling tv for the massive lineup of games they have all season long sling tv the tv you'll love for a price that you'll love try it today now i want to talk about Sevion wilkinson and jackson state because i always like going back to this when i'm talking about relationships i go back to like i think it's like ninth tenth grade science and it's talking about mutualistic benefits or excuse me mutualistic relationships and that's where both parties benefit and i feel like that's exactly what Jackson State and Sevion Wilkerson were when they paired up in about May. They came into the transfer portal. Actually, he came into the transfer portal. And Jamie Walker, uh, somebody I follow on Twitter, is a really good follow. You should as well. Um, but he mentioned that he felt like this was the biggest transfer. And it's kind of hard to argue him because look at what they've done. The, the running game with Wilkerson leading it has been completely revitalized and it's something that they really wanted to do and I'm going to tell you why each party got exactly what they wanted out of this partnership Wilkerson got exactly what he wanted and I'm about to tell you right now what Jackson State got you have to remember Sevignon Wilkerson a, a, a freshman for Delaware State last year was a Jerry Jerry Rice award finalist yes we know that Shador won the award and we praise him but Wilkerson was there as a finalist as well. That Rice Award is the best freshman in the FCS. So this is just proving how dynamic of a player that he is, if you just want to talk about accolades. But let's get into the actual stats because he's ran the ball really well for them, and that's what they wanted. Last year, they averaged 89 yards per game. 89 yards per game. This year by himself, Wilkerson is averaging 98. If you want to talk about the team as a total or as a whole, you're looking at 174. The addition of Wilkerson, the emphasis on running the football, this is what's brought this Jackson State running game and honestly the offense to another level as well. If Shador Sanders is having a bad day, I fully believe in Sevillon Wilkerson to be able to control and move that offense forward for a game, if not multiple games. Say he... We ain't even going to talk about what, why he might have to do it for multiple games, but y'all know what it is. Sevion Wilkerson is a really good running back, and I feel like he's eased himself in. 
that first week, it's like, man, why ain't they why ain't they running Wilkerson more? You know, he wasn't even a leading carrier. He didn't have 10 carries in that game. I think that Wilkerson has shown himself to be able to run for tough yard. If you need it in the middle, if you need it on the outside, if you want a big play, he does all of that. And that's why I really do appreciate his game. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something that I don't think is too much of a stretch. I wonder if Jackson State's success will propel him to the newcomer of the year. We, we kind of wrote it off and said that's Jarvie and Howard's award to win. I'm not going to dispute that. He is 100% the front runner right now. But I do wonder if maybe the voters say, well, Jackson State is so good and Wilkerson has been a part of that. Maybe we're going to go ahead and give him the nod. It wouldn't be the first time that team success influences this. And it's not as if he doesn't have a compelling case either. It's not as if he's just a middle of the pack running back on, on a good team. No, this dude is one of the better running backs. He's the second leading rusher in the conference. Now, if you want to go with totals and everything, it's Howard. Howard is the only swack running back to hit 1,000 yards. He might be the only one. It just depends. I think that um, Wilkerson gets it as long as they continue to feed him the ball. They had a couple of games where they haven't done that. But as long as they continue to feed him the ball, he should cross the century mark as well. Well, right now, Howard is the only one who has done that. But the difference between Howard and every other running back, but specifically Wilkerson, is the workload. Howard has 40 more carries than Wilkerson. 40 more carries. So, yes, he has 200 more yards. If you want to go by totals and just looking at what it is, he has three more touchdowns. He has 20, uh, 200 more yards nearly. He really does dominate the conversation. But if you want to break it up and you want to look at it, the workload is important. I try not to look at everything in black and white. I can still admit that Howard is the front runner, but I'm looking at the case for Wilkerson. And the fact of the matter is, Wilkerson averaged more yards per carry. So technically, if they had the same amount of carries, and I know this is not fair because there's big plays, there's, there's small plays. Howard had a game where he had eight carries for eight yards. Nothing like that happens again the rest of the season. So he had a game where he averaged one yard per carry. That's going to take down his yards per carry, right? Howard's had less than 20 carries in only that game I just referenced. That's the only time he had eight carries in that game. That was against Tulane. But then you look at Wilkerson, he's had less than 20 carries five times of the nine games that he played. So more than half the time, he's not getting a 20-carry workload. I wonder what his production would be like if that were the case. You know, I mean, there, there's running backs, you can say that around the country, I understand. But we're talking about Wilkerson right now. So I don't want to hear, oh, you can say that about, oh, you can say that about. No, we're talking about Wilkerson. That's who we're talking about. And I'm just wondering, maybe with that extra game that Jackson State, I suspect, will play. You know, unless they just fall apart, they'll be in the SWAC championship. I don't think that Alcorn will. Maybe that one game will make up some of the difference. Maybe that near 200 goes to about 80 yards of a difference. Maybe the touchdown gap is no longer three, it's one. Or maybe it's even even. And Jackson State just won the SWAC. Now, does that team success lead to Sevion Wilkerson being the newcomer of the year? It's an interesting conversation. Let me know what you think down below. I would appreciate to continue this conversation. So what does Wilkerson get out of this equation, right? When we talk about the partnership, Jackson State gets to transform their running game. They go from 89 yards per game as a team to 98 yards per game as an individual when talking about Wilkerson. But Wilkerson didn't come over as some Rudy Poo. People knew who he was. Sevion Wilkerson was an all-MEAC running back at Delaware State. He had already achieved individual success. So it's not as if he needed them to make him or something of that sort. That's not what the case was. 
what he needed is the same thing that he got and it was just a little bit more exposure now he has more eyes but then also he's on a winning team and i'm sure that's what he wanted more than anything else he wanted to win See, he was good at Delaware State. They were a solid team, but they were not the best team in the MEAC. So what does he do? He understands that the best team in the SWAC and arguably the best team, if not top two teams in HBCU's period, they have a little bit of a vacancy at the running back position. He said, I'm, I'm a pretty good running back. I, I think so. I proved it at, at Delaware State. I think I'm a pretty solid running back. And you know what? He was right. And now by being right with Jackson State, it's a little bit different. You have more eyes on you. You have more uh, of a bigger platform. You have Deion Sanders calling you a pro. All of these things work in his favor, but then also you just get to win. Forget all the accolades and the forward thinking. Players want to win, and that's something that he had a better shot at at Jackson State. So while JSU was able to boost their overall running game, I believe that Sevian Wilkerson was able to boost his overall platform in the game of football while also winning more both of those things are exactly what he wanted going forward i want to talk about some of the bigger games in the fcs hbcu landscape this week they aren't going to make the cut because we're focusing on the conference championships on the d2 level but i do want to still discuss them before i get into that however today's episode is brought to you by simply safe and did you know that when it comes to the holiday times crime is always going up on property Property crime. And that's probably because you have the porch poachers, right? Those who see the, the package on your, on your porch and they say, you know what? I think I want that. Well, to fight the porch poachers, make sure that you are in, uh, ensuring your safety with Simply Safe. There is no safe like Simply Safe. And my favorite part about it is the fact that I can just look on my phone at any given time and I can know what's going on in my house. Even if I'm on the way in Florida, I can see what's going on here in Texas. It doesn't matter because they can, they can link your system up to your phone and that's one of the best benefits of it. And they've been voted the best home security system three years in a row. Right now they have their best sale 50% off and do not miss your chance it's simple just go to simplysafe.com slash locked on college that is simplysafe.com slash locked on college and get 50 percent off any new simply safe system Keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is encapsulate, meaning to show or express in a brief way. And I feel as if Peter Bukowski does a great job encapsulating the major stories nationally with the local experts. And I speak from experience because I have been on that show, Locked on Sports Today. It is phenomenal. Make sure you check it out on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. So, Another thing I want to encapsulate is the major games that are going to be going on this week on the FCS level. We're going to be talking about the D2 championships for the conference for the tomorrow and then also the next day. So Thursday and Friday, we're going to have two games of the week. But I didn't want to leave out these FCS schools. There's some major games. Number one in the biggest game of the week on the FCS level, North Carolina Central and Norfolk State. It's the one game that has the conference championship 
not just feel, but it has the stakes of a conference championship. And not like some of the ones we mentioned earlier where this could decide, no, if North Carolina Central wins, they are your MEAC champions. If North Carolina Central wins, they are in the celebration bowl. That's what makes this game so important. That's why it's the biggest game of the week on the FCS level, because it's the only game that is really on par with the D2 championships. That's the only one. It's basically like a, a MEAC championship. They don't have a conference championship game. But if they win, this will be the game that won it, technically, right? It's all built up in a season, but this was the pinnacle. And that's what I look at when I think about why this game is so important. It's not about Norfolk State. And funny enough, I wrote off Alcorn saying it's all about PV and who won that game. But this is truthfully not about Norfolk. They can play spoiler, but the stakes in this game strictly come from the fact that they play Tennessee Tech next week, North Carolina Central does. I wonder if they win this game, would they sit their starters? You're already going to have a layoff between the last game of the year and the Celebration Bowl anyway. Maybe you just sit people down and let them get healthy. You don't need to win it. You're not going to a playoff. There's nothing you can do. You're not going to have to worry about them not being rusty for a conference championship the next week. You're going to have probably about a month off regardless because the Celebration Bowl is on the 17th of December. Maybe just decide to get an extra week. I don't know. But I do know that if you do happen to lose this game against Norfolk State, it's not going to matter. You're in wait and see mode. But one of the games is going to be very important if that is the scenario we go with is Howard versus South Carolina State. If Howard wins this game, it's much better for those who want to keep it simple because Howard would be the only one lost team in the MEAC and would stand alone at, uh, at the top of the conference. Now, if South Carolina State wins, oh my gosh, all chaos. Because now, if South Carolina State wins this game and North Carolina Central loses this game, there will only be one team, the loser of the Morgan State versus Delaware State game, that doesn't have two losses. So if South Carolina State wins and Central loses, there will only be one team in the conference that doesn't have two losses. Exactly two losses. Now I'm sitting here like, the possibilities are endless. And part of me is like, please, no, because the MEAC has thrown me up and down this whole time because I just can't get a beat. Right when you think some team has control, they don't. Right when you feel like a team is ready to explode, they don't. Right when you feel like anything, it doesn't happen. So with our luck, with the MEAC season, if it's just going to be on par, that's exactly what will happen. Central will lose. South Carolina State will win. And now everybody going into the last week of the season has two losses except for one team in the MEAC and now it's just a free fall because I don't know what the tiebreaker scenario is because you can have multiple teams probably I think three at least three teams could end with two losses and that would be absolutely bonkers but let's switch over to the SWAC because there's two games that I think are important FAMU versus Alabama State they're the next ups in the, in the SWAC East of course Jackson State's the top dog but next up is FAMU and next up after that is Alabama State Two dominant defensive teams. When you look at it, Alabama State quietly is on a three-game winning streak, right? They haven't lost many games big. The only game they lost big was UCLA. But if you take out that game and you want to look at how many teams they've allowed to score 20 points on the FCS level, we're strictly talking about the FCS level, you're looking at four teams? That's it. It's not many teams that are going to score 20 points on this stingy defense. There's going to have more games... Well, actually, it can be four. I think it's like three. You're going to have more games, if you look at their schedule, 
in which they did not allow 20 points, then 20 points were scored on them. That is dominant. When you look at FAMU, after Jackson State and UNC to open up the season, no team, only one team, has scored 20 points on them. So this is going to be a defensive battle, and I cannot wait to see it. I can't wait to see what happens from it because these are two teams who are both very good and both should have a quality win on their resume after this. I can't wait to see this. And this is probably going to be the battle for the second best team in the SWAC East. And then lastly, you have Texas Southern versus Grambling. And both of these teams are playing for internal pride, internal goals. They're goals that you might not really be able to see or value from the outside looking in. Now, TSU does have the opportunity to stay in a SWAC West race. But forget that. I think it's a real possibility. But forget that. Right now, they're playing to have their first non-losing season since 2003. They're playing to have their first winning season since 2000. That's what they're looking for in these games. Five, they ain't hit five wins since 2003. They ain't hit six wins since, or yeah, they haven't hit six or more wins since 2000. These two teams are playing for pride. These two teams are playing for internal goals, and that's TSU side of it. Especially in the season and how it's going, I think that would be a great feather in the cap of uh, Coach McKinney. I genuinely do. Then you look at Grambling. We talked about them yesterday. Four games in a row to end the season. If you win that, morale is high. People aren't talking about Hugh Jackson the same way. You ain't really calling them a joke because now they beat Southern as well. It's a whole different conversation if they end the game on a four-game winning streak. Now we go into the 2023 season and we're saying, hey, you know how Grambling finished that year? If I'm not mistaken, I think, I think it might be Benedict that ended the season on a hot streak. And now look at them. It's one of these really good D2 HBCUs who finished the season on a nice winning streak and then they exploded this year. I think it's Benedict. But that could be Grambling. That's the conversation we're having. We're having, oh, did Grambling finally figure it out? Did Hugh Jackson finally figure it out at the end of the season? That's the conversation that we're looking to have around Jackson's, or excuse me, Grambling, and then also Hugh Jackson. But that's what this game is playing for. You want to try to win at least three out of four, but preferably four out of four to end the season to really get the morale high and really get the belief going into next season. It may be too little too late, but it could jumpstart something for the following season as well. Now, going forward, we want to talk about two teams who have put it together. And yes, I did mention Benedict. They are one of those teams. Both them and Virginia Union, in my opinion, are locks for the D2 playoffs. But we have a couple of teams who... They ain't such a sure thing, word to Miguel. But before I get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market, bar none. I miss talking about Built Bar. One thing I hate is every time I talk about it, people want to ask me, what's your favorite flavor? I don't know. That, that Stop trying to put me in that position. Stop trying to put me in a predicament where I got to make a, a, a hard choice, man. The, at the end of the day, they're all delicious. I can't tell you if it's blueberry. I can't tell you if it's cookie dough. I can't tell you because all of these are delicious. I, what I can tell you is that you have the regular, you have the puff, you have the granola. You have all different styles, but they're all healthy for you. They all taste great. Who doesn't want something that tastes great and is healthy at the same time? I'm sure all of us would eat very healthy if we felt like it would taste good. With Built Bar, that hopes and that imagining is now a reality. Now, all you have to do is go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and we'll give you 15% off your offer. Go and get that variety pack because I told you, I can't pick my favorite flavor.
That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Virginia Union and Benedict are locks for the playoffs, in my opinion. But after that, it gets a little bit wonky. It gets a little bit questionable about who will make the Super Region number two playoff pass or playoff rankings or just playoffs in general. I keep talking about rankings. This is the last rankings that we have. But going forward, it's just the playoffs. That's it. And Benedict by far is the lock. It's the lock of all locks because they are the number one seed Delta State lost last week. And now that means that you're looking at Benedict as the number one team. And if they win their conference championship, they'll be the number one team in the region, which means they'll have a bye week. It's been at least five years since that happened. I didn't want to continue going back farther and farther and farther. It's been at least five years since that has happened at a D2 playoffs. HBCUs do not get the number one seed often. This is very elusive, and this is something to play for. Time to go 1-0 this week as well, which has been their mantra for the season. Even if they lose in the conference championship, you're not dropping from 1-8. to eight. It's not happening. You're just not. So that's why I say they are truly a lock. Then you look at Virginia Union, who actually went up. They went from 5-4, to four, and they did not jump Delta State, but they went from 5-4. to four. So I'm going to say that mission accomplished. They wanted to make sure they had a good victory that showed something to the committee over Virginia State. They did that. You move from five to four. I don't see you dropping from four to eight because you're not playing. It's not like you're about to go to the conference championship and suffer your second loss. You're not playing. So you're just sitting here. You're done. What, what you've done is done. There's no more, oh, I want to go tweak this and tweak that. You're just leaving it in the hands of the committee at this point. And I think that you put up a good resume. I think that knocking off one of the better teams in the country at that time is going to look good on your resume. It's the reason that you were able to lose that game against Chowan and still be top four or still be top five at that time. And now you're top four because you've built up enough of a resume outside of that game for them to respect and say, this is a playoff team. And I don't think we're doubting that. I can't wait to see how far that they go. But this is 100% a playoff team. You just had to make sure you didn't lose again, and you didn't. So you handled your business. Now, there's no such thing as a lock. Like, there's no such thing as a guarantee. But to me, it's more than just I'd be surprised if, if that changed. I would actually be like, whoa, I did not see that coming at all if Virginia Union or Benedict didn't make the playoffs. I would be totally stunned if for some reason – Union fell four spots, even though they didn't have to play. Now, where the questions come in, and Benedict, I think that's a no-brainer. You're not dropping from the number one seed out of the playoffs because of a loss. It's just not happening. But where the questions come in are Tuskegee and then also Fort Valley. Fort Valley State is at seven. They don't have anything to play this weekend. They're kind of like Virginia Union, where everything they've done, they've done is done. It just is what it is. What the resume is going to look like is finished. You can print it. You can hand it in because that's all they're going to be able to look at. Great win over Albany State as well. We said that, hey, maybe at the end of the year, we look back and Fort Valley and Benedict are the two best teams in this conference, and that's what happened. Albany State, it wasn't their year this year. It was two new dogs that came up and took the spot. But Fort Valley State just had to sit back and watch. I'll say this. Tuskegee, if they lose, they ain't getting in. They're already not in. So if they lose the conference championship, they're not in. If they win the conference championship, I find it very difficult not to put them in. And they might even take Fort Valley's spot because Fort Valley's at number seven. It's very tough to not be in a conference championship game and then also be on the bubble. 
because there's teams below you who are probably going to prove themselves. You just got to hope some of the teams above you fall. I would love to see. Now, I want, I kind of want Benedict to be the number one seed. And that would require Tuskegee not to make it. But at the same time, four HBCUs in the playoffs would be really nice. It's, it's, it's both. How do you do it? If, you, if you're me and you have to choose between Benedict being the number one seed and having a bye for the first time in at least five years, or they lose in the conference championship and Tuskegee gets in and you have four HBCUs, which one are you picking? I'm going to go with Benedict because there's no guarantee that Tuskegee wouldn't just knock out Fort Valley State. But either way, I'm here for some good football. That's the only thing that I care about. If it's a good game, it's a good game, and I'm here to watch it. If it's not, what are we doing? <laughs> so as long as it's good football, I'm happy, and I can't wait to see however many HBCUs, whether it's two, which I think are guaranteed, or if it's three, maybe even four, All the, mer the more the merrier, right, in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Peter Bukowski on Locked On Sports today, breaking down all of the national news wherever you get your podcast. Now, for tomorrow's episode, we're going to come on. It's championship week. We're breaking down the D2 championships, both the CIAA and then also the SEAC for Thursday and Friday's episode. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.